Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast, the official podcast of SlashFilm.com. I'm David Chen, and with me is... Devinder Hardwark. Joining us also, he's the editor-in-chief of SlashFilm.com, Peter Serretta. Peter, welcome back to the Slash Filmcast. How are you doing today, Peter? I'm doing great, Dave. I'm actually in person with you here in in your house. Yeah. We've never done this before. We've never... So, yeah. just so people know what's going on, this is going to be a special, weird episode of the Slash Filmcast uh, for a few reasons. First of all... Everything's live and in person, so if it sounds kind of weird, we're using a new recording setup, and that's why. Uh, but second reason is uh, we're also recording in our house after uh, my wedding, which you attended last night. <laughs> yes. And to add even more strangeness <laughs> on top of it, there is a live studio audience, right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! People are here, and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and they I'm will... honestly surprised you didn't podcast your wedding. Uh, you know, uh, we actually <laughs> did stuff like that. Uh, we had an audio guest book at the wedding that yeah. people could yeah. record into. Because we, we don't want a regular guest book. Like, who looks at that stuff, you know? But if I could take that audio and put it into a, uh, an edited piece of footage, maybe... Maybe someone will see it again. <laughs> anyway. Uh, all right. Find more episodes of this podcast at SlashFilmCast.com. Email us at SlashFilmCast.gmail.com. We are also broadcasting this live on Periscope, where KJ Steiner just said, sounds like a huge crowd over there. Uh, are you guys a huge crowd? <laughs> it's a huge crowd over here, guys. Yes. It's a huge crowd. Also, people are complaining they can't see you, Devinder, so try to lean in. I, I, I'll do what I can. <laughs> okay, guys. So uh, this is going to be a weird episode of the podcast. Basically, uh, we're just going to talk about some what we've been watching, but Peter is also going to talk about some of his experiences uh, in Seattle, and I think uh, you guys were planning on doing a mini review of the wedding <laughs> before sure. it moved on into a main review of uh, the movie, The Death of Stalin, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. So that's going to be the the agenda for today. Uh, so let's uh, let's start with Devendra. What have you been watching this week? I've been watching this show called Patriot on Amazon Prime, and uh, this is a weird show. I, I'd call it a uh, maybe a sad spy show. It's about a CIA agent who's having like a uh, like a moral dilemma. He also wants to be a folk singer. And he's just sad about his life. And that's it. That old chestnut. That old chestnut. It's a, it's a really weird series because I think it, it tries to be a traditional spy series, but it also kind of, I think, has a lot of fun with that setup, too. And the idea of a spy that's just like going through a quarter life or midlife crisis or something, I think, is kind of interesting and has a great cast. Uh, the main guy is Michael Dorman. He's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, but we, also, we got some people in the chat room. One saying, uh, Freinhardt uh, AU says, Patriot is great. Yes. Someone says, uh, Jason Bourne meets Wes Anderson. Jason Bourne meets, yeah, that's probably a good way. Maybe not as uh, t- twee as Wes Anderson, but mm. it's, uh, it has a great cast. Because like, the main guy, he's good, but also Kurt Ward Smith is in this. Um, Terry O'Quinn. So people we've seen, like Terry O'Quinn, I'm getting alias flashbacks watching this show. Mm. And... Uh, it's uh you know it kind of just has a lot of fun with that premise because he's also not a great spy and everything goes wrong and then sometimes he just wants to sing and uh <laughs> i don't know i feel like we could all relate to that it's also really funny because his uh his alias is like a pipe salesman in the midwest and this show just has a lot of fun with like i don't know if it's accurate uh renderings of the piping world but they'll go on for two or three minutes just talking about like really specific minute details of this industry and it sounds like pure gibberish but they really commit to it 
So it's a it's a funny show, sometimes violent, but I think just funny and interesting. So I'm really digging it. If uh, if you're into weird spins on the f- spy formula, kind of reminds me a bit of uh, Counterpart, which I was talking about too, which is also another spy show, but also uh, that one has more of a sci-fi twist. I heard that's so good. It's wa- so good. It's really good. I don't want to pay for stars. You know, <laughs> that's that's the thing. I think I think it's worth it because it's about eight episodes in right now and. You could pay for it for a couple of weeks and just binge as much as you can. Yeah, and I hear uh, Amazon Channels makes it really easy to get stars on it. <laughs> this you podcast know? brought to you by Amazon yeah. and the city of Seattle, it's which, be a lot which of Amazon, Amazon now owns, apparently. <laughs> There's going to yeah. be a lot of Amazon talk on this uh, episode. <laughs> so Patriot is the name of the show. It's on yes. Amazon, uh, Amazon what, Prime. Prime Instant, right? Yep. And uh, you you are a fan of the show, right? Is I it really just, did. you watch it's, season one? Or? I'm watching season one right now. I believe it's only just one season. Um yeah, it's kind of strange, but I feel like if you're somebody who's watched all the spy stuff and we're just seeing all these interesting uh, versions of spy stories right now, like the Americans is doing it in really interesting ways. And yeah, it's worth watching. All right, cool. Uh, so that's uh, Patriot and also Counterpart is on Stars. Yep. Uh, Ratman Returns in the chat says the owner of Slash Film should be paying for everyone's <laughs> star subscription. What's going on with that, Peter? Mm. Stars cost a lot of money. <laughs> I think it's like nine dollars a month, right? <laughs> well, the thing like, is, I, I, I paid for Stars for like a year and never watched it. And now uh-huh. I feel like I'm like a year in the hole with Stars. Oh, jeez, yeah. And Are you familiar a lot of with the sunk there. cost fallacy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that's a good way to uh, to evaluate things. Return of Smith is asking if one of us has seen Tomb Raider. We were going to review Tomb Raider. We decided not to do that we're like because now. yeah. Um, none of us wanted to watch that movie. <laughs> Jeff saw it, though, and mm-hmm. next time he's on the podcast, he'll yeah. talk about it. He told me it was pretty okay. Yeah. That's um, what I've heard. I've seen some yeah. decent uh, uh, reviews of it online. But I think the movie we're talking about is much more much more worth having a full episode. Okay, guys. Before we get into that, you know, I, I, I do want to mention that uh, the box office results this weekend were pretty interesting. Um, people were obviously betting big on this Tomb Raider reboot and hoping that it would be a decent video game movie. Right. Uh, and it turned out to be okay. You know, yeah. it made like $23 million or so. Uh, but there's, there's a few things that are worth noting. First thing is that Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle has topped $400 million worldwide. Uh, I'm sorry, at the domestic box office, becoming like only the 30th film in history to do so, huh. uh, which is pretty amazing considering it's not based on this wildly you know popular property. Uh, although the original Jumanji film did do very well, as you know, the book is also very popular. Uh, but have you guys heard of this movie? Oops, sorry. Have you guys heard of this movie? I can only imagine, um, which is a Christian movie. Hmm. No. Um, it's based off of the story about this song called "I Can Only Imagine," written by a Christian band called Mercy Me, uh, and it's theoretically the most popular song in. Christian music history, uh, and this movie made seventeen million dollars at the box office this weekend, beating Wrinkle in Time, um, huh. which is pretty amazing. You know, do you think that's because of whole churches yeah. buying uh, tickets? Churches like buyout theaters, you know, like the Christian market is a really big one. But I just like, wow, this movie. We'd never heard of this movie. We're n- no, none of us are ever going to watch it, and uh, <laughs> it came in and beat out Wrinkle in Time, which is like a big. Uh, you know, Disney blockbuster. Yeah. So, a uh, hundred million dollar budget movie. By the way, uh, I can only imagine budget seven million dollars. So, pretty amazing. And then Black Panther uh, is a few days or a few weeks away from topping Avengers in the domestic box office for unadjusted, uh, unadjusted for inflation box office in North America. That's pretty amazing. So, which, which by the way, Dave, 
We got to speak about something right now. What's up? We need to get this summer movie wager <laughs> scheduled. This is true. Because yeah. Avengers now in April, it would be a shame if we didn't include Avengers in this contest. Yeah, I think that's right. So mid mid April sometime maybe yeah mid April we're gonna do it April summer sep- summer's just a concept now it's summer's not like anything on the calendar yeah, summer movie wager is coming up and yeah because Avengers Infinity War moved up to late April right yeah so. okay uh, oh, actually one thing yeah uh, because you were talking about box office one of the things I want to talk about I'm reading this book called The Big Picture yep by Ben Fritz are you also reading this book I just bought it I haven't started it. reading it yet yeah uh, it's really good it's depressing <laughs> it's about how the last ten last decade of of uh, the studio system has basically changed. Uh, I mean, you've been talking about this kind of off and on on the podcast anyways, but just basically how there's no mid-budget films anymore. It's all franchise sequels, adaptations, and it's really depressing. Uh, yeah. it, it, uh, the premise of it is that Ben Fritz wanted to do a book. He wanted to go inside the studio system for a few years and write about the process of making movies from inside the studio system. And of course, nobody in the studio system wanted that because no one wanted to have him in these meetings. Right. But he he saw the opportunity, the Sony hack, where all these emails uh, from Sony were, were leaked online, gave him unprecedented access right. into a studio. And he basically chronicles through Sony how basically movies have... Have been become... made and how they have stopped being made, basically, yes. yeah. So it's, it's it's good. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. Yeah, I, I think someone like you might not get as much out of it because you've been following this closely. But I think people that aren't following this week to week, it's just eye opening what is happening. All right. Uh, well, that's the big picture. Is that what the name of the yes. book is? Yeah, it's by Ben Fritz. Yes. Looking forward to checking it out. All right, but guys, let's talk about the real thing that's been going on. Okay, that <laughs> we've all been watching, and that is. Uh, you guys were in town to celebrate my wedding this weekend, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, Dave. Yeah. Um, so, and Joy of Napping. And Joy of Napping, who, by the way, now joins us. Um, she's Joy of Napping on Twitter. Hello. Hello. I feel like a woman now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to move around so that she can talk into the microphone. So, Peter, you you came here to Seattle. Devinger's been here many times because he's covered stuff for Actually, just here once before. Oh, okay. He's but, been here yeah. once, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, what's, what was your experience of Seattle and what's your experience of like the wedding itself? I'm just curious. What's your review Please of the wedding? Please review the wedding that we just put on <laughs> yeah. to our faces. There was a movie during the wedding, so we could review that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, before we get into the wedding, let me, yeah. let me review Seattle because I think I'm visiting the, the city of the future, Dave. And mm-hmm. I, I know that, uh, you work for companies of big tech in Seattle, um, but uh, but this is not sponsored by them in any way. Um, <laughs> I visited the Amazon Go store while I was here. And this is a store. It's a grocery store in Seattle where if you have an Amazon Prime membership, you enter, you scan your phone, you walk around the store and put things into your bag, and you just walk out. Uh, there's not RFID tags on these items. It just tracks you with magic. There's just magic. There's like cameras all over the place. It, it's incredible. If you go in there with like a friend that doesn't have a prime, if they put stuff in their bag, it tracks them and charges. Like when you exit the store, your phone gets a notification. It's like you bought this. Wait. So if your friend does not have a prime membership, their stuff gets charged to your account. Yes, it tells you that while you're going in. Wow. So like you could just piggyback on someone else. Yes. And then walk out at the same time, and then amazing. I. 
I think this is like the future of stores. I mean, I, I'm sure Amazon patented all this, so it's mm-hmm. probably the future of Amazon stores, not future of stores. But I can't imagine like what's going to happen to all the cashiers. Like, yeah. it's like there was like two people standing up front, just making sure that like things were going okay. But I don't know. I heard about this and I thought, oh, you know, you're gonna have to scan things with your phone. No, you just pick things off. I know you've done this, Dave, and I'm not sure. Yeah, how I mean, it is it. an incredible experience, and I have absolutely no other comment other than that. <laughs> so, but um, I'm glad you had a good time. And yeah. also going to the Amazon Go store because we wanted to uh, go down to Pike's Market and stuff like that. Pike's Place. Pike Pike Place. Pike Place. Is what it's called. Uh, there's these bikes. Oh, okay, well, let me first say. You know, I've been to other cities. Los Angeles has a bike program where there have these hubs all over the city, mm-hmm. and you can uh, sign up for an account. And you pay like a monthly fee, and you can take out the bike, and you got to return it to a hub. It sucks. It, like, it, there's never a hub where you need it to be, and there's never one near where you are, or at least not near my place, and it just doesn't work. Here in Seattle, they have multiple competing companies where there's bikes just on the sidewalks everywhere downtown mm. and basically you can you scan one with your phone it, you have to download that you scan one with your phone and it basically will charge your apple pay or whatever phone you have the service you have uh and you pay like a dollar an hour to just ride the bike around and you can you know say you're going to pike place yep uh you know you put it down on the sidewalk you lock it and it you know your phone gets a notification oh you've spent a dollar whatever and, and you, you don't have away. to lock it to anything you just no I, anywhere I, walking around the city this is chaos because yeah. <laughs> there are just bikes everywhere like on the sidewalk in the middle of things like just strewn about it is it is yeah, it's interesting in but highly residential neighborhood they will be upside down as like yeah. art installations yeah See, I, I could see if you live here how that might annoy you, but to mm-hmm. me and a person that <laughs> if you don't live here and you just see it, well, you know, I don't have a car, and you don't Dave. need to deal with it regularly. Yeah. So, like, this seems like it would be a cool system, and you can go on the app and see because everyone has GPSs on them, so you can see where the bikes are, so you can see where the closest bike is. Mm-hmm. You don't have to like go stumble around. I feel really bad for the logistics people for these companies because, like, your whole job is okay this bike is in a tree this bike is <laughs> in this alley and gps is only like this general location it doesn't tell you like the level of location right so somebody could you know a bike could be somewhere high up if it's like a parking garage or something what level is it on uh yeah i mean i, I don't know <laughs> so your job as this bike logistics guy is to yeah. go find it and i think yeah. uh, one of uh one of our listeners said uh these these rental bike companies are doing a great job when it comes to leaving garish piles of neon everywhere this is true <laughs> all the bikes are neon color yeah, very neon. easier to identify and i think uh, uh like similar systems are being tested in various cities in china i think and they're i think they're in trouble because people are just stealing the bikes too so like there's a lot of there's a lot of like crazy things happening with all this. The Amazon Go store, by the way, not open on Saturdays or Sundays. The computers need a break. Like that's <laughs> the future of retail. Just is not open on weekends. Oh, and also yeah. speaking of Amazon, I'm not sure if anybody outside of Seattle knows this, but they have these things called spheres. Amazon spheres. It's like these gigantic <laughs> glass uh, sphere installations. They have these. They look like indoor parks. In it's a like way. a treehouse. Yeah. yeah, and it's where. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dave. Maybe you know more about this. Is this where Amazon people can go to work? Yeah, um, they can go to work. I think there's studies that show that like uh, people get more work done or it, when they can relax around nature. And so there's like hundreds of different plant yeah. uh, species yeah. in these spheres. 
it it looks amazing, but it's also kind of weird because you're like in the city of people like looking through the glass at the because you can't get in unless you work for Amazon. Big corporation working in these like paradise rather than investing (laughs) in like public parks and like a public space. Amazon has created bubbles to lock off its employees from the rest of the metaphor can go a lot of different ways. That's a dark one. Yeah. Yeah. I I wasn't going in that direction, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And also this morning uh, we were grabbing a quick breakfast at McDonald's. Don't judge me, Dave. Don't judge me. I know I'm in Seattle. I got some great food. I got serious pies. I got top uh, pot donuts. We, We went to some fantastic place, but we needed a quick bite before the museum this morning. And, uh, and maybe this is a thing in more cities. It's not in L.A., but they have these kiosks in McDonald's where you can basically order and yeah. customize your order. And it, the cool thing is you you grab a thing and you put it on your table and the people bring the food to you. I don't know. It, it, maybe it sounds crazy. Like maybe you've been used to this. I'm not sure if you eat at McDonald's, but uh, they don't have that in McDonald's where the we are. The look of cool... disgust on Dave's face right now is just. <laughs> One of the cool things yeah. is like you, you can customize your orders. You can be like, you know, I want this McGriddle without cheese, whatever. And it will have a calorie count and it updates the calorie count based on like your, <laughs> wow. your uh, customizations, which I don't know. I just thought it was really cool. Seattle's which the city Which McDonald's of the is that? It was that right across from um, Mopop. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's a good so it's one. near the Space Needle. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. The, the future's one happening. In, uh, broad, I think. Okay. Yeah, but uh, I'm really impressed by the the innovations in fast food <laughs> and uh, and shopping. The shopping, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. glad you've been here to enjoy our city. That's awesome. We should talk about your wedding. Let's yes. do it. Because that's the whole reason we're here. That is the whole reason you're here, and uh, I appreciate that. I, I um, want to say it was fantastic. They had their ceremony at a movie theater. Yes. Which Dave, before I came here, he was like, I'm not sure if people will understand why we're having it at a movie theater. I'm like, Dave, I think anybody that knows you (laughs) understands why you're having a wedding at a movie theater. Yes, but not all of my aunties understood because they didn't know Dave and they were like, hmm, but they were polite enough to not ask me. They asked my parents, like, what is going on with this? uh, It's funny because we walked into the movie theater and there's posters along the side of like all these classic movie posters. And it took me like probably 20 minutes before I realized that the posters were actually posters featuring uh, you guys. Like, yeah. they're like parody <laughs> posters of these movies. So I wanted to give a shout-out to Pat Reynolds, who's a listener of the show, and who actually helped Photoshop our heads into <laughs> classic movie posters, uh, which we then printed out at massive size and then installed all around the movie theater. They were so well done. Yeah, and they looked really good. He, he looked, yeah, he did a great job. And literally, people, you know, we, we work around movies and stuff, so... Just seeing them from the side view, like you're like, oh, that's the Mad Max Fury Road poster. You know, I don't like. like it didn't occur to me until 20 minutes later. I was like, what there, is going on? It was on so there? convincing yeah. that it didn't even occur to you that it was a different thing. Yeah. So yeah, that's all. Awesome. says suddenly from Taiwan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is going to happen to those posters after the wedding? I don't know. You guys got to frame at least yeah. one of them, frame them, and yeah, put them around I think the we'll house. Try to install we didn't think we wanted a whole gallery of our own yeah. faces like staring back at us. But you, yeah, we're have sure you been we'll to someone's that. house and they have pictures all over the house, but it's of them? Do you know what I mean? Like it's kind of weird. I think. I mean, I don't know. I remember your. Uh, your college dorm room, Dave. I do remember when Dave was getting into photography, I would go into Dave's dorm room. It's just like plastered with black and white photos of just Dave. Just Dave taking photos of himself. So, yes, that is kind of weird. I didn't You're, have right. That many. You're right. <laughs> I didn't have that many willing subjects back then. Yeah. Andrew, do you have any of said photographs? I don't, I don't have them, Dave. It's all okay. Dave. Um, I but no, it's, I mean, you have photos of yourselves. Like a couple will have at least, you know, yeah. I, I see some things. Yes. One of those posters framed would be really cool. Yeah. 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 
so yeah, thanks to Pat Reynolds. Also want to thank Sean Meehan, who helped me uh, set up lighting to shoot a documentary that I played at the beginning of uh, the ceremony. That, that was a nice introduction. So we all, so here's the thing, right? We all, we got to the theater, we kind of mulled around, talked with each other. Um, and then we sat down in the theater and uh, the first thing we heard is the Arrested Development theme. And like Dave just kind of started with that and introducing this whole thing. And it was a great little documentary about how you guys met and, uh, you know, why you're doing this crazy thing. Yeah, I think that a lot of uh, weddings, you, you oftentimes you only know one of the people yeah. at the wedding, right? And so we wanted a way to explain... Uh, how we met and more about who we are in an extremely efficient way rather than repeating the same story 50 times throughout the course of the evening. Uh, and yeah, we didn't or get people it. never even knowing the story in right, the first right. place. Which yeah, is positive. yeah. Um, and we never got asked, like, how did you guys meet for the rest of the evening? Which is really <laughs> actually pretty smart. Yeah, yeah I would recommend it. And it was so cleverly edited. And it, it, my favorite parts of that were when. You guys were both telling the same story, but it was from two different perspectives, and they sometimes like contradicted each other, and it was fun sometimes in a fun like way. A Rashomon quality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'd recommend uh, I'd recommend anyone you know use a video for their wedding. Of course, most of the, this is the advantage of getting married in a movie theater is you can play you can force people to watch your mm-hmm. latest short film um, when you do that. Which They're is not weird. paying; it's kind of the opposite than of having paying customers. But, um, Devendra, customers. Yeah. I'm glad that you recognized it as the Arrested Development theme. Um, it was basically a dog whistle to about you know, half the audience that would definitely get it and mm-hmm. the other half would not and that was okay because we needed that other half. Can you imagine know. watching that Arrest Development theme like, it, so basically we did an Arrest Development like main theme but with our photos in it and it's like, I can't imagine watching that with never having seen Arrest Development before. Like, yeah. it would just be I'm sure all the aunties baffling. were like, what is going what? on? It's completely baffling. The aunties rolled with it all day. So. Yeah, they, they did a good job of like, yeah, rolling with it. That's good. So, um, so anyway, any oh, other thoughts? Go ahead. Speaking of people that don't know the other half, uh, after the, the, the wedding, we were taking a photo outside with everybody and a guy comes up to me that I don't know. And he was like, is, is that the guy, uh, from Groundhog's Day? Because Stephen Tobolowsky was there and he did like a reading in your wedding. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's Stephen Tobolowsky. He was like, oh my God, how did they get him? <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. His appearance fee. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure it was from Lydia's side of the family, not yours. Yes, I think that's right. Uh, and also, while we, so while we were driving away from the theater, we are in the car, and the guy in the car, the driver, says, uh, "Hey, the strangest thing just happened to me." I'm like, and I'm like, "What happened?" And he's like. I was driving this car, and I saw a guy walk out of the theater that looked exactly like the guy from Groundhog Day. Uh, and so it was, I was like, yeah. oh, which guy? He's like, I don't remember, but it's just, I just know I've seen him before. And yeah. um, But it was cool. Stephen Tobolowsky was there. And, and, yeah. and then he said, because we kind of egged him on a little to see like, what else he would come up with. He's like, I don't know. And I... I think he has a podcast, <laughs> and I've heard it's funny, and uh, I should probably check that out. Anyway, it was really, um, it was really like, exactly no, what you wanted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, pretty much. Yeah, and also the car was very nice. It was like a nice old car. Was it the one Conan O'Brien used during his wedding or for his wedding? The driver it was. So we got this old school car. Yeah, right. 1950s Rolls Royce. 1950s Rolls Royce, and apparently it was the same car that Conan O'Brien used for his wedding. All right. So, 
Yeah. One, the interior one, definitely looked like it. It's yeah, I mean that's the reason we chose yeah. it. Is Your because butt they said is where Conan, Conan's butt was. My butt is where Conan's was. Yeah. Yes, I felt the the ass curve yes. in the seat where Conan's <laughs> ass was. It's amazing. But the, the wedding was, you know, I've done a, I, before I did flash film. I used to do videography and I used to tape weddings, and weddings for the most part are boring. And I think you guys cut off, cut out. 99% of the boring stuff, and yeah. it was very untraditional. I, I don't know. I expected more traditional from you, and I, <laughs> I, and I loved that. I loved how like it just flowed. It, it, I'm not sure how long it was, but it felt like it went by like that. Yeah. Um, I think we've been to a lot of weddings before, and there's a lot of things that are annoying about them. Um, and we were just like, let's just not do the annoying things. Like, for instance, one of the examples is uh, a lot of people like having weddings at like, ooh, party all night. And we're just like, none of us like, neither of us like dancing. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't like dancing. Right. <laughs> I, I like the assumption Dave made here. Uh. I like to boogie in the kitchen. But it is true that... <laughs> When people are like, how about an after party? I could not think of one place to go dancing because I have not actually done it in the city of Seattle. So, you know, okay. yeah, we're maybe not those people. Yeah. So we just like, well, we're not, not going to do that. Or we'll choose a venue that doesn't do that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think. Uh, it... I'm the only one that remembers the Beatles. Hello, I'm Guy Garvey. Richard Curtis and Danny Boyle have joined forces for yesterday. We got them together to talk filmmaking. I always saw Trainspotting just as the Northern Four Weddings. Music. These songs were part of us. And a world without the Beatles. A world without the Beatles would be infinitely worse. The Yesterday Podcast, available from wherever you get your podcasts. Yesterday. When did you write that? I didn't write it. Paul McCartney wrote it. The Beatles. Who? It all went off without a hitch, and uh, we're pretty happy with that. So. The food you had at the the reception after was fantastic. My favorite part of Jeff EMC or MC. So Jeff Canada was great. He emceed, uh, and that was amazing. Yeah, after people were giving speech, he he once said like he was, "Isn't the food here wonderful? Just like the wonderful food you can get from Hello Chef." Uh, Hello like, Fresh. Hello Fresh. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, totally um, messed get up. Get the sponsor's name yeah. right. Yeah. I was actually half expecting that during maybe the opening video or something like this wedding brought to you by Casper. Yeah. <laughs> Someone something. joked that, like, uh, so Devendra, first of all, you posted a photo with all of us podcasters. It was me, you, uh, Peter Serretta, uh, Joanna Robinson, Jeff Kanata, and Stephen Tobolowsky. And pe- people have been saying, like, it is the Avengers Infinity War poster <laughs> of podcasters. Yes. Um, that there have been people who are like, I, uh, you know, I've spent like hundreds of hours listening to po- podcasts by the people in this photo. And, uh, I mean, my only issue... At Return of Smith says, I wrote that. Yeah, okay, Return there of Smith wrote that uh, in the chat you, you realize now that you said that, someone's going to send you a parody poster of Infinity War. <laughs> That'd be great. Please, please do it. <laughs> That'd be great. I, I think... Also, shout out to my wife, Raquel, who took that photo. That's the one that's nice. going around the internet. <laughs> My only issue is that um, you posted that photo before me, and now you have like hundreds of likes. Oh, yeah. and I, I got all I got the nothing. social juice. You got this all morning, the social he juice. was just bitter about how all those likes should have been. <laughs> all those likes should have been mine, Devendra. Yeah. So very upsetting. Well, anyway, um, thanks for coming to the wedding, guys. Hope you had a good time. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's man. great. This is like the only time we've all been together since uh, Comic Con in what 2012. 2012, I think. I think yeah. 2012 was the last Comic Con we were all together. Wow. So. Mm-hmm. 
and Jeff was there too. I think. I think yeah, we were all yeah. like, yeah, but Jeff was not a part of the you know podcast. Yeah, I think a lot point. of people are surprised to learn we don't record the podcast live in person. This yeah. is the first. It would be time. difficult. Yeah, it's just difficult. Uh, yeah, with Peter in uh, L.A. and Devendra in New York, but yeah. uh, great to finally have us all together at last. And, uh, and thank you, Devendra, for your lovely speech. Um, oh, Dave no was problem. really touched this morning. You yeah. know, recounting it and thinking through. The gist of which I will butcher it um, <laughs> is that you and Dave have been friends since you were roommates mm-hmm. in college at Amherst. Even before that. So I met Dave, uh, I, we both started college 2001 in the fall, and Dave lived a floor above me. And I was just like, you know, wandering around. Because at that point, you're just trying to meet people and see who you're friends with. And I met Dave pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Devinger made this touching speech where he said, we watched, he, t- he talked about our first, his first, one of his first movie memories of me is I bought a VHS copy of Miller's Crossing yeah. and we watched it together. And I was just, wait, I was just walking down the quad and Dave was like, this, you have to watch this with me. And I was like, okay, I've never heard of this <laughs> no, movie before. No explanation. Yeah. Um, uh, and that you said, like, uh, our friendship has survived many. Uh, movie format changes this is from true. VHS to DVD to Blu-ray, uh, HD DVD, HD DVD, <laughs> HD DVD. That was a tough period in our tough. in our friendship. Um, <laughs> well, we both got then, a lot of cheap movies out of that, so yeah. I think that was good. <laughs> and then Blu-ray, and then streaming, uh, streaming and, and now 4K, Blu-ray. 4K yeah. UHD. Uh, and you were saying, I hope that your love um, for your wife survives many more movie formats, which is yeah. It was very nice. It was as hokey as I could make it. It, yeah. was, it was very beautiful. <laughs> um, and one last thing. Stephen Tobolowsky gave a speech that brought down the house. Yeah. It, it wasn't was, just a speech. It was your own private yeah. episode <laughs> of the Tobolowsky Files. Yeah. Yes. He told this story, and um, uh, and it was incredible. And I, I'll try to post a text or some video of it online. I think Joanna has already posted some of it online. And... Um, uh, I just w- wanted to. So my my favorite part is after the speech was over and it was incredible. Everyone was like crying. I was weeping. It was yeah, ugly. She was weeping. You know, like ugly tears. And, um, and that's not possible. <laughs> and after uh, after Stephen Tobolowsky's speech, someone, uh, one of our friends, Matt, um, screamed out. Good luck following that. Yeah. <laughs> and that was me. And that, that was, was me. Followed that Thanks, Matt. But Jeff was was <laughs> clever enough to be like, you know, we're going to take a break from speeches. <laughs> like, good, call. The good call, Jeff. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also do want to shout out Joanna Robinson, who began her speech with, my name is Joanna Robinson, and I've read every one of the books of George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones. Or, yeah. Actually, that's not what it's the called. Song of Ice and Fire. Sorry. Yeah, I butchered it because I'm not Joanna Robinson. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the line she says at the beginning of every podcast that we record. So. Any final thoughts before we move on to our main topic of discussion today? I thought it was a pretty good wedding. I give it three out of four stars. Nice. Yeah. Would right. do again or kind of maybe not so Would much? watch again. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, is, sure. this, is this one of those things that you think would benefit from repeat viewing, <laughs> Devendra? I do think so. I mean, it's yeah. at least worth a movie pass. Yeah. yeah there you go. It's a good sit. It was a good sit. Okay. Cool. Well, uh, that I will sign off because I have not seen the featured movie this week. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sounds good. Um, and Peter Serretta, you have also not seen the featured movie this week, right? I have not. Um, do, do you want me to talk about some of the stuff I've been watching? Yeah, let's talk about some of the stuff. We're going over. No, no, no. We're good. We're good. We're good. We're going to talk about some of the stuff we've been watching. Um, but first, uh, let's take a quick break to thank one of our sponsors. By the way, I, I love how we're now like relating movie, if a movie is worth going to. Like, oh, it's it's it's. You know, it's worth the movie pass. You know what I mean, like that—that—that's now our. When you say it's worth the movie like, pass, you mean it's worth a trip with a movie pass? Is yeah, like, yeah, like it used to it's be like, oh, wait, wait until it's streaming. But now yeah. it's like, 
if you have movie pass, it's worth you know going to see it because you got the movie. I think pass. we would normally say it's worth the matinee, right? Like it's just like yeah. an easy, cheap thing I, if you can I, make time for it. How how ubiquitous is movie? Do you both have movie pass right now? No. I do. Peter does. Devinder doesn't. I haven't gotten it yet. They, I used they to, are evil, but it's worth it. It's, it's uh, like I have a lot of problems with movie pass right now because I've been following this company. They're actually a New York based company. Um, I've been following them since like 2011, 2012, and they've gone through several iterations, many different prices. And the original CEO like had this really interesting vision of it. Then they replaced him with a new guy, former uh, from the early Netflix crew, the guy who basically made Redbox what it was, like the yeah. dollar a night thing. Um, and they dramatically lowered the prices, and which is interesting. But at that point, I instantly knew like what you're doing, you're, it's $10 a month for unlimited movies. This is not a sustainable thing for well, you know what, what? this service in I general. I didn't think it was a sustainable yeah. thing. But now that I'm seeing what they're doing with it, yeah, it, it but seems this like is exactly what we were saying. Like what they're doing, they're definitely collecting all this data. They're definitely going to like but not just that. Like yeah. I'm not sure if you saw what they did in LA last week. They are they prevented death sentence from what we saw was mm-hmm. advertising with them. So they were trying to send emails and messages to people to go see death sentence that were subscribers death wish you death wish. Uh, death wish. <laughs> come on peter. peter what is going on have you death, seen well, movies death sentence is the better version of that right yeah yeah um <laughs> death wish death wish uh and the movie that was competing against it was red red, red yeah red, red sparrow, sparrow. Yeah. yeah and they blocked people from seeing that had movie passes from seeing red sparrow interesting so yeah now i'm not sure we don't know the correlation of if yeah, that's I'm why sure it was, it's an uh, accident. But now I think in the like, future, theoretically, yeah. they could be like, if you're not paying us, if the studio's not paying us to let you see the movie on opening weekend, we can prevent movie yeah. pass subscribers from Because they started these partnerships with certain movies yeah. and certain deals, and like they're starting to invest in movies moving forward, too. Like That's super messy. Not something you'd want from like a movie subscription service, yeah. I'd say. Um, but, I, I think yeah. what's what is weird. So the, the idea is like they want to control millions yeah. of people. They want mm-hmm. to be able to control like upwards of fifty percent of the movie going market, right? They, and they, then, they claim, and their numbers are a little wonky, yeah. but they claim by the end of this year, twenty percent of the U.S. movie going ticket sales will be movie pass. Right. That's one out incre- of every incredible nah. number, yeah. incredible number. But if that's true, right? Yeah. They, they want to be able to basically leverage that market position to say, hey. You, AMC, need to give us a percentage of your concessions if we advertise Red Sparrow. Meanwhile, AMC, here's the, here's the deal, guys. Um, the theatrical movie-going industry is not in good shape right now. It's not like they're like, hey, this is things are doing boffo box office all the time. Like It is an industry that is on the decline. Uh, and so they don't want this third party coming in there and taking a portion of their earnings. It's going to be, it's going to get ugly. I think it's going to get worse before it gets. Yeah. And they're launching even worse than that. They're launching competing <laughs> services too, like the theaters are. And yeah. we've had this discussion before. I think like the big problem isn't really movie. Well, ticket prices are too high, but it's the experience of going to the movies that's not great in the theaters. Are only now beginning to invest more in that. So AMC in New York at least has started like retrofitting theaters putting in better seats and just like making it a better overall experience without raising the price too much and that seems to be the bigger focus movie pass just it's a great service i'm waiting for a version of this to come out that's maybe priced more reasonably um like i wouldn't mind spending more money if i knew you weren't doing terrible things as a company (laughs) and like this is a guy i sat down and talked with uh, the ceo a couple times like as the controversy was stirring before they got super popular 
And, uh, you know, he's definitely one of those CEOs who I would ask him questions and he would lie to my face. And it's like, it's one of those companies. Like, I just don't know how to feel about it. And I know there are other competing services yeah. around there now. Yeah, I, maybe I compare better. it to Walmart. I, I think Walmart's not a great company, but I go in a shop there because everything's <laughs> so cheap and convenient. Sure. Um, sadly. Yeah. <laughs> sadly, my ethics, I guess, or my morality. Uh, but anyways, I'm sorry to get... Uh, uh, no worries. Distracted by this movie past conversation. I'll t- tell you about uh, two shows I've been watching recently. Um, watching Sneaky Pete Season 2. Uh, did either of you see Sneaky Pete Season 1? Okay. Yeah, I saw a few episodes and yeah. you really enjoyed it. Yeah, Jeff was, f- It Jeff- was good enough to like watch a couple episodes, but not good enough for me to finish the season. It's one of those shows. <laughs> yeah. Jeff was uh, singing its praises yeah. recently. Yeah. 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 Um, Sneaky Pete Season 2 is, uh, is good, but it's missing Brian Cranston, mm. which I think... No spoilers for season one, but he's not in season two. Okay. Read into that how it is. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I think it is missing a little piece of the puzzle when there isn't a great villain in season two. Yeah. But I'm still with it. I'm still watching it, and that's available on Amazon. Brian David says season two isn't as good as season one in the yeah. chat room. Mm. Um, anything else you've watching, um, Peter? I've also been watching uh, – we, we binge-watched uh, Love Season 3. The, nice. The last and final season, yeah. I think, of Love, yeah. which is That show is good. Like, it's – I think those characters initially, especially with the pilot, are super annoying. And yeah. they're, they seem like the worst of millennial relationship shows. Um, but – it's actually like genuinely funny and really sweet, and I, the characters are annoying, but in ways that I think are kind of endearing too. So I have complex feelings about that show, but I've loved what I've seen in season three at this point. Yeah, yeah. And it, as someone who lives in LA, and mm-hmm. I see LA lampooned ad nauseum in different uh, movies and TV shows, and usually it doesn't get it right. Uh, this show, I think, gets it the most right. It feels like the most LA show. I've seen. Although there are um, a lot of LA like romantic shows right now. Yeah. Well, like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, I, but I think it gets like the kind of vibe of the people mm-hmm. and the, um, you know, just the locations and everything. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, if you haven't watched Love, I would highly recommend you watch Love. And uh, yeah, that's, that's what I've been it, watching. It is one of those shows, I'd say give it four episodes or so, four or five episodes. Like there's a date scene between the australian roommates remember in season one and and the lead guy um i think that thing was one of the funniest like romantic comedy things i've seen in a very long time and the show is like littered with those sorts of things all right well that's all you've been watching this week peter and uh i think that's going to do it for what we've been watching this week uh peter you you're not going to stick around for the next segment of the show right because you haven't seen the movie i have not seen the movie so it would would make no sense whatsoever (laughs) agreed agreed so uh, you're gonna take off Yes, I'm going to take off. Uh, Dave, I want to say to you and your lovely wife, uh, thank you for having me here. It's been a wonderful experience. And uh, anybody listening out there, if you are uh, enjoying some of the stuff I say, I have a podcast every weekday on SlashFilm.com called SlashFilm Daily. You can find it on your local, your everyday podcast app if it's iTunes, Overcast, Spotify, whatever. Um, Go check it out, and you can obviously read all the news that we post on SlashFilm.com. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Peter Serrano. Stalin's dead. He's dead. Stalin is dead! Oh, my God. Our general secretary is lying in a puddle of indignity. Yeah, he's feeling unwell, clearly. I want to make a speech at my father's funeral. Um, no problem. Technically, yes, but practically. When I said no problem, what I meant... Was no problem. 
That was from the trailer of The Death of Stalin, the newest film by writer-director Armando Iannucci. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. This movie, The Death of Stalin, follows the Soviet dictator's last days and depicts the chaos of the regime after his death. Joining us today to review this movie, you know, a lot of people, they have bachelor parties before uh, their weddings. Um, but for me, what I like to do is I like to have a movie screening, you know, at, at, like sure. s- birthdays and um, weddings and pr- funerals. I'm probably going to have movie screenings, you know, uh, instead. And so we had a movie screening where uh, it took a few folks to go see The Death of Stalin at the Egyptian Theater in Seattle. And one of those uh, people that came along with us to go see that movie was a very cool dude. He is a dig- head of digital strategy at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. He's also my best friend from Boston, Matt Weber. Welcome to the show. Matt, how are you doing today? Pleasure. Wonderful. You're married. <laughs> I'm very happy. <laughs> very happy. What a, the best wedding I've been to in quite some time. Really cool to have Matt here today to, to do this episode with us. And I do want to point out that Matt also did a speech last night and... One of our friends was dying with laughter during that speech. It was incredible. Like, I was watching tears, tears coming down. I, I saw, like, I was watching, like, the people's reaction to the speech. Someone was dying laughing during it. Okay. It was a very funny speech. Okay. Um, so thanks for doing that, man. My okay. pleasure. My pleasure. Okay. So, uh, Death of Stalin, written and directed by Armando Nietzsche. Um, this is a guy who created Veep. He also uh, created a show called The Thick of It. Um, I have seen every episode of Veep. I've seen every episode of The Thick of It many multiple times. In the Loop. Seen In the Loop multiple times. So I'm a huge fan of this guy. Uh, And so I was really looking forward to this. Devendra, I assume you're also a fan. Oh, yeah. Um, Matt, have you watched any Veep? Every episode. Really? Love Veep. Love Veep. Okay, all right. So what was your reaction to the death of Stalin then? Didn't love it. Okay. (laughs) What didn't you like about it? Well, a couple things. One, I didn't go in um, clean. Saw the trailer. Yeah. A lot of the punchlines, a lot of the best jokes in the trailer. That's Always a bad idea to watch some, trailers. Some of my problems. Uh, mm-hmm. Secondly, um, I thought the movie had its flashes of brilliance, but it wasn't the entire time. I wasn't un- really sure if it was um, if it was doing what I think it was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it certainly served as a good parody. I thought it was historically interesting. I did not know or think about the sort of calamity of how Russia was going to. Uh, move on after yeah. Stalin and I also was just kind of like I laughed enough but I was more intrigued and then I wasn't sure if there were these elements that were more cinematic when the ensemble was really doing a lot of different things it, it just felt disjointed like this sentence <laughs> <laughs> all right so you thought it was kind of all over the place I agree there was a um it did kind of feel a little bit all over the place, right? And and a, a lot of Armando Iannucci's work functions best as kind of um, a collection of extended scenes that play out between like really talented comedic actors, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's certainly how I felt like the thick of it functioned. I didn't necessarily feel like a driving narrative force in every episode of the thick of it. Um, but you go there because you want to see these characters play off each other in incredibly uncomfortable scenes. Uh, and I think to that extent, it really did, like, there were some scenes that were really, really funny. Um, Devendra, your thoughts on The Death of Stalin? Yeah, I really enjoyed it, but it's definitely not the same energy or it's even style of comedy as we're used to from him, like from Veep. Well, because it is so dark, this movie. It's dark. This movie is, it's not, it's definitely more dark. I think the comedy is more like somber in a way. 
And there's some, like, you know, just laugh out loud stuff. There's some, like, just pure absurdity. But there's no, like, uh, what was it Ma- Malcolm from uh, from those other Malcolm things? Tucker. There's no Malcolm for, Tucker yeah. of just, like, this pure, you know, profane force of nature. There's nothing like that. And I think even uh, Veep, like, relies a lot on just, like, really creative profanity. Um, yeah, this movie, uh, yeah, yeah. like, Veep and uh, The Thick of It and In the Loop, it's all about, like, what are these, like, massive strings of profanities? Like, yeah. how, how creatively can someone insult someone? And this movie didn't really have that. It's right? very, and I can appreciate that because I do feel like we're getting to a point, um, you know, he hasn't been doing Veep for a while. Um, I feel like he's trying something a little different with this, and he's always been exploring the absurdity of government. And this movie is more about, like, I think just presenting a lot of things as they were happening. Um, and there are some genuinely funny moments and the real like magic of this movie is like, you'll have these funny, you know, scenes happening with these great actors and in the background, like everyone's getting shot in the head or something like it's very dark and like, yeah, it just goes off in different directions. I really enjoyed it. Uh, definitely for the historical aspects of it too. And I also think it's the most like, um, inherently cinematic story he's told too. Yeah, it's not yeah. like docu, docu style, like his other stuff. It's really like I think he's testing new territory. He, he's really that. reaching from a filmmaker from yep. a filmmaking perspective. I feel like um, the scenes with all the actors in it are all played out largely in one or two shots. Mm-hmm. So and it's just like you see them interacting. Yeah. So it's very similar to his old work. And it's shot but the, more cinematically. But, but the yeah, stuff yeah. between mm-hmm. those scenes with like five characters in it uh, is is very cinematic. Like like there's scenes where there's a lot of urgency and characters are being like rushed in and out of locations and mm-hmm. the editing is really sharp. Um, no handheld yeah, like, photography Very here. little handheld, yeah. yeah. It feels really um, like he's really challenging himself from a filmmaking perspective in this movie. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. I and just, this cast, by yeah. the way, is just fantastic all around. Like, I love Steve Buscemi, and I think this is a really, it's kind of a perfect role for him. Like, something that really taps into, like, the, I don't know, the sliminess of certain characters that he plays. Slimy also, and like, exasperated. Exasperated, but Did also, he gain like, weight for this, too? I don't know. I don't know. He looks like it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. but I think, I, I don't think his hair is like that. I think he's wearing a bald cap, <laughs> is my guess. He plays like, Nikita Khrushchev. He plays Khrushchev, and, like, just, like, at the same time, like, you kind of hate this guy, but you see, like, the machinations going on. You kind of see, like, how he's starting to manipulate people, and I thought he did a good job of that. Jeffrey Tambor is just sort of, like, the grinning idiot. Yeah. Uh, who's He's Melenkoff, I think. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, I mean, Jeffrey Tambor's role in this movie is truly chilling. Uh, yeah. Because the idea is that he's, yeah, he's uh, the banality of evil. He, he's not a particularly evil dude. Right. He's not a cruel, malevolent he's dude. He's just going He's with not it. a very talented dude. Yeah. But he's a person who's in power who happens to just do whatever the last thing someone told him to do is. <laughs> um, and we may or may not have someone in power like mm. that right now yeah. somewhere in the world. Yeah. Uh, and that's a very frightening thought a- to Adding to the darkness of the film. Yeah, mm. that's right. That's yeah. right. Um, so, I mean, the, the movie right, is uh, not surprisingly about the death of Stalin and the chaos that ensued. Uh, and I think something that I, I didn't really realize as I was watching, because as I was watching the movie, I was trying to figure out what, is even going on like I, there's so many characters and what what are the political dynamics at play i did a lot of reading about it afterwards and you find out that like oh um what's very obvious in the movie is that there's a power struggle right yep. like it's like yep. who's who's going to gain power who's going to wrest control um but there was this whole extended sequence of like people being paralyzed about what to do uh, after stalin was first found like having like been paralyzed or uh, had his first stroke and um, 
there was two interpretations of why it took them so long to call to get doctors. One of them is that they wanted him to die, and so they let him die. But another is people were so terrified of making the wrong decision <laughs> that they're like, no one wants to stick their neck out and say, like, right. call the doctors, mm-hmm. uh, and then, like, that's the wrong decision, and, you know, they get in trouble. Because basically people would be summarily executed during this time in Russia. Yeah, it was a very, anything. very terrifying And the time whole period. thing with the uh, just the doctors too, right? Yeah, because they're trying to find good doctors, but like all the doctors had already been sent to the gulag, right? All the good doctors uh, had been sent to so the only, downside of, yeah, sending all the good doctors away. So they only have, by definition, bad doctors, which I th- thought was very amusing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's basically like what happens when bureaucracy, when anti-intellectualism, um, when the rule, uh, when you know, exterminating the rule of law, when all those things are taken to their logical conclusion, and I think it presents a really terrifying image of of that idea. Yeah, word of warning: it's called it's the death of Stalin and about 130 other people <laughs> by gunshot head. Okay, that's by, the extended by gunshot title. Into the head. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's really, uh, uh, and the way that deaths are treated is both comical and also. Dar- like it's flippant. It, it's just it, yeah, like it's, it's very yeah. flippant. Like oh yeah, you know this guy. You see uh, what the guy uh, Beria mm-hmm. played with uh, incredible creepiness by Simon Russell Beale, Lavrenti Beria. By the way, we should point out that like it's a bunch of English actors yeah. and and also Steve Buscemi and American actors. Yeah, just speaking <laughs> um, their own accents. Just speaking yeah. in their own accents. No one's trying to do a Russian accent. Mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting choice. Yeah. Um, I'm glad after Red Sparrow, I'm very glad nobody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like Beria, uh, he's like you know he's handing lists to people and he's like kill this person, kill this person, kill her first, but not before him. Yeah. But make, make sure, sure he, he watches. watches. Yeah, oh, it's God. like you know really. Uh, dark and terrifying <laughs> vision of what uh, mm. you know g- government summary execution could be like. Yeah. If Iannucci is listening to this, though, I mean, he should <laughs> yeah. be reassured. Yeah, yeah. He, he should be actually pretty excited that cinematically there is a future for him. This is not, <laughs> in my opinion, yeah. Yeah. this isn't a one-off. Like, hey, great TV guy, super funny, uh, but you can't really pull off a film. Yeah, they, have you seen were, in the loop. I haven't. Yeah. That is, I mean, so th- is but this I, his second feature film? I think so, I but I think, that, but yeah. I think in the loop, like a lot of people's complaint about that yeah. was, it does feel more like a TV pilot. It is like Th- this is it. the yeah. first one that feels like a movie, and he yeah. should be encouraged by that yeah, and to yeah, continue yeah. on. You know, yeah, some of these shots, some of the shots, if you watch them on mute on an airplane and looked over, you're like, is this Munich? Is this Valkyrie? Is this Schindler's List? Yeah. No, it's Death of Stalin. Yeah, and there were some beautiful, beautiful compositions. There's also I, some, uh, like I don't know, uh, secondary cast members also were shouting out Rupert Friend from Homeland who yeah. plays Vasily. Oh, yeah. I've I love him on Homeland. I've never seen him play a, a pure like a buffoon, yeah. a purely silly character. And Jason Jason Isaacs as the head of the military. So good. So good. <laughs> we were seeing Jason Isaacs everywhere, but he's just like pure like machismo. Like, oh yeah, I'm ready to take down this government. Just give me the word. In the, the random people mm-hmm. in the orchestra setting, like in the, the oh, way yeah. the film starts off, there, there, there's so many throwaway yeah. characters and scenes that are really make the richness of this film really pop. I, I thought mm-hmm. the character that really captured the whole film is Michael Palin's performance as Vyshalov Molotov, mm-hmm. from whom Molotov Cocktail is named after, I believe. Um... But uh, what a he, legacy. he plays this kind of, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think he wanted that legacy, but he plays this kind of guy who like um, dithers back and forth in terms of his loyalty to the party. And you never really know what he thinks. Um, and I think that really captured the spirit of the film really well, like of all these people struggling to figure out what they're what they think. So mm-hmm. uh, so I really love the movie. Divinger, did you like it? I really I really liked it, too. I th- I just don't think it's like as laugh out loud funny as maybe some of his other other yeah. stuff. Like it's very different, but. 
I'm still thinking about it. I saw it um, with a packed crowd at the IFC Center in New York. And, uh, you know, typical New York crowd. Actually, like, there's a guy sleeping next to me. 